Hi, this is Mary Taylor from the Cape Cod Museum Trail. Today we are joined by Wendy Northcross, Executive Director at the John F. Kennedy Hyannis Museum located in Hyannis, Massachusetts. The John F. Kennedy Hyannis Museum Foundation preserves and promotes the legacy of President Kennedy, his family, and their deep connection to Cape Cod. Today we will hear more from Wendy about what is happening now at the museum. Hi Wendy, thank you for joining us today. Could you let us know about the museum and the beginnings of it, the history of it, and how you've been involved with it over the years? Sure. Thanks for having me, Mary. It's really exciting to be, um, be in this position at the JFK Hyannis Museum. It's uh, actually kind of my baby, one of my babies. I was a co-founder of the museum almost 30 years ago. Rebecca Pierce Merrick is the other co-founder, but when I was at the Hyannis Area Chamber, this was a project that we conceived of to kind of direct people away from Hyannis Port, which is a nice little residential neighborhood, and you know, give people some place to go and see and learn more about President Kennedy. Um, it, it's actually kind of interesting. I, I, you know, I grew up on Cape Cod. The Kennedys have always been a fabric of Cape Cod, and, and it wasn't until I went to work at the Heinz Chamber in the late 80s that, and I was sitting kind of close to the front desk of the uh, visitor center, and I would overhear the questions people would ask, and it's, you know, like, where are the ferries, where's the place to get chowder, that kind of thing, but the, the question that kind of surprised me the most was, how did, how did I get to Hyannis Port? How can I get to the Kennedy compound? And someone thought, well, it's not open, it's private, you can't just go there. But people were telling people how to get to the Kennedy compound. And so I was a little a little concerned about that, but I also said, let's just see how many times this question was asked. And in the first year that I was there, guess how many times that question was asked? Oh, probably two or three thousand. 50,000 times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, you have to remember, this is late 80s, so people just weren't walking around with a phone they could ask. You know, they literally had to find a visitor center and, and ask them questions. But I was shocked. So I thought, oh, my gosh, 50,000 people, that's just in our little Highlands visitor center. How many times are they asking their, the waiter at the restaurant or the person at the gas station? And I said, you know, someone got this idea that the impact on a small residential neighborhood in, in Hyannis was probably not good and people weren't seeing anything or the right thing and they weren't learning anything. So we went, um, we just set off to get permission from the family to do something that had been conceived of years before, which was the JFK Hyannis Museum, uh, something in an idea that had been batted around. But we said, well, maybe we should try that took a year to get family approval and they said yes but the one caveat that they had was to find a place that existed while um, the president was still alive so wow. that kind of led us to Main Street Hyannis and um, yeah so here we are uh, we didn't get this building right away but soon after uh, the initiative started so the museum's been um, kind of a fixture for downtown Hyannis uh, probably so the last couple of decades. It's great. It's and it's perfect right in the middle of Main Street, right where it's located. And so what's happening today at the museum? 
Well, fast forward 30 years, you know, we still have rotating exhibits. This year, we are saying goodbye in December to our Creating Camelot exhibit. It's a tremendous uh, array of photography and some video. Um, Jacques Lowe was a photographer that was hired by Ambassador Joe Kennedy, JFK's father. As he was running for president, he said, we need a professional photographer to be attached to the candidate and his family and be taking these family time photos and these intimate photos and just kind of pushing them out to the world. And I mean, it was a marketing tactic, right, for campaigning. And uh, Jacques Lowe did that. He did it, had unprecedented access to uh, JFK, Jackie, Caroline Kennedy at the time, who was the only child. Then he won the presidency. So Jacques Lowe stayed for the first year of uh, President Kennedy's uh, term in office. And again, unprecedented access, amazing photos. He has an amazing eye. And we just get a really different look at JFK as a family man, uh, his, his sense of, of what it was like to be on the campaign trail, which was very isolating at times and, and very lonely because not everybody knew him, right? But then to, to be thrust into the presidency and the star power that followed him there was really, really interesting. So that's all been on exhibit for the last couple of years. Of course, we extended it through the pandemic, and it will go back to its owner, the museum, based in Washington, D.C. We'll send it back in December, and it, that's where it's going to be. So we're actually encouraging people, don't miss this exhibit. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. We've had nothing but rave reviews. And uh, it's going to be here on view until mid-December. Do you have a favorite photograph? There's, uh, you know, we love the ones taken on Cape Cod. And there's just this stunning photo of Jackie in this yellow checkered dress. And she's on a chaise lounge outside the, the Highness Court House. It's all pink upholstery. And it just looks like summer itself. And she just looks so relaxed. She's beautiful. And, and that... That's my favorite. I love that. There's another one of, of Jack Kennedy, uh, who's kind of on the campaign trail, but he's looking down at this, he's on a riverbank somewhere, and he's looking down at the river, and he's kind of very contemplative and and almost forbearing what's going to come, you know, after he's elected. It's, it's really interesting. And two different, very feeling, you know, two different subjects, very different sense of place. And personality, but Jacques Lowe captured it. The, what's really fascinating about this photography, though, um, and it's part of the story, Jacques Lowe knew after the president was assassinated that this photography would be really, really valuable and would be part of history that could never be repeated. And he took great care to store the negatives in a very secure vault. That vault was located in the... Um, World Trade Center in New York City, and on 9-11, all of the negatives were destroyed, and so his family went and, re well, recreated some of the photography. They went and found contact sheets. They went and found um, people that owned some of the, the prints, and they restored the quality of that. So, so what, we're, what you're looking at when you come into our museum is the restored photography, but done painstakingly, meticulously, and um, with great 
care, knowing the historic nature, is really amazing. Wow, that's an amazing part of the story. Yeah, his daughters um, inherited the the, um, the photography, the estate, and they just recently gave all the photography to the University of Texas, which has this amazing repository of other journalistic photographers that uh, we hope to be working with them at some point in the future, too. Kind of interesting how that whole, you know, museum world works. I'm finding out every day something new and different about museums. Yeah, it's a, it's a small world some days. Yes, it is. So tell us about the rocking chair that's there. Well, that's the interesting part, I think, because, you know, we, we just did a visitor survey, and people say, we want to see more artifacts. And we understand that. They're not that easy to come by. And yet we do have an artifact. We have on loan an authentic P&P company-made rocker that JFK himself gave to the Waldorf Astoria in New York to be put into the presidential suite. It was one of his iconic JFK rockers. And the Waldorf is letting us borrow this while they go through a massive renovation of their towers, which they expect to take maybe two to three years. So we have this really authentic chair. It's been, um, you know, we actually we took a uh, phone to take a picture of the, to see if there was a brand underneath the arm. Right. And it's there. So okay. JFK actually... Gave, gave quite a few of these rockers to different people, and he had them stashed in different places like Camp David. He had one on Air Force One. But, you know, he had a really bad back, and he had uh, a need to sit in his rocker that for relief from pain, and so he, that's why he had so many of them. But we have that on, on loan, and it's really interesting, and people are excited to see something that's, that's attached to the, the president and that he actually used. That is amazing. And how did that conversation with the Waldorf even start for you to be able to get a rocker? Well, you know, they uh, had it in the presidential suite, and they called the JFK library, the presidential library in Boston, and said, would you want to have it while we do renovation? And said, they said, no, we can't or won't, but why don't you try calling the Highness Museum? So they contacted us. We were still closed before we even opened you know, this year, and we were so excited. We said, yes, yes, we'll, we'll make it We'll make it work. So we had to get special shippers and, and handlers and insurance and exhibit, you know, to explain it. But there's a really cool Cape Cod angle to this, too, and we're hoping to tell more of that next spring. But there's always a Cape Cod connection to what we tell, the stories we tell here, and there's a Cape Cod connection to this chair as well. Because most people recognize that chair as if it's upholstery, right? Right. So that upholstery was created by a Cape Cod upholsterer. Oh, wow. And this is, he lived in Marston's Mill. And he did some work for Bunny Mellon, who was a friend of Jackie Kennedy's. They decided the chair needed to be upholstered to make it more comfortable for the president. So Bunny Mellon said, I know, I've got a guy. And she referred, you know, Mrs. Kennedy to Larry Arada from Marston's Mills. And then she ended up asking Larry to go to the White House while she, Mrs. Kennedy, renovated the White House. And he was there for several years helping with the White House restoration. 
So wow, that's amazing. More to come on that. Isn't that cool? That is yeah. really great. So more on that next spring, though. For now, you can come in and see the chair, get a sense of, of you know, when it was donated and where it's been, and um, next year we're going to tell you a little bit more. And so what are, what are your plans for next spring? Well, we do have, you know, if Creed and Camelot goes back to the museum, we have our main gallery that's, that's going to be reinvented. Uh, the focus, again, will be Cape Cod, the Cape Cod times of, of President Kennedy. From um, when he moved to the Cape with his family, he was a young boy. But, but primarily, you know, election night, he spent here on Cape Cod. We found out the next morning he was president-elect. Um, what happened is, since then, and we know, we have the dates that he was in Hyannis Court when he was president. It was pretty much every weekend from July, August, September, October. Um, they love to spend Thanksgiving here. So we're, we're going to tell some of that story again. We've got some new photography. We've got some artifacts that we've found. So that's what we can look forward to. The name is still a working title. I'm not sure what we're actually going to name it yet. But next spring, we hope to open, reopen on April 18th. Wow, that'll be exciting to see that. It will be, and I think it'll be it's pretty iconic, you know, those touch football games on the, the lawn of the compound. Um, but we're hoping through the winter, too, we're going to be working on some programming, and, and hopefully there's things people can do, even though the exhibit hall won't be open. Um, we're looking to do some things digitally or, you know, have our new community room. We, we created a brand new community room that was finally finished in February of 2020. All the timing. Couldn't have not been able to use it until just this year. We've had a couple of events in there, but we're hoping to do more as people get uh, more vaccinated and feel more comfortable being in a room together. So we are looking forward to that. So maybe some of that stuff we can talk about later for, for the winter season. Right. So you plan to still have some things happening in the winter. Um, whether it's digitally lectures downstairs in your community room. Yeah. I mean, we, we probably could keep the museum. We could keep the two other exhibits open, the RFK exhibit and the 100 Years of JFK's Legacy exhibit. Those are both compelling, too. We think that just there will be enough disruption in the museum that, um, you know, it be hard to, hard to charge people to come into a work zone. <laughs> so, so we'll look for other ways to entertain Amazingly, though, some people would pay to go see how an exhibit is built, though. That's a, you know, that's a good point. Maybe that becomes a quick video behind right. the scenes. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's always interesting to see how people come up with the ideas and how they set up an exhibit. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's, a, it's an art, for sure. It's a, you know, we have a designer curator, we have a fabricator, and we work really well together, but it's kind of a team effort, and I just try to stay out of the way and make sure they're all, they have everything that they need to do their, to do their creation. And do you want to talk about the Ripple of Hope exhibit? Yeah, so that, we brought that back this year. It's a Bobby Kennedy exhibit that we had um, rolled out a couple of years ago, but given all of the um, Black Lives Matter movement and the whole conversation that the country has been in pretty intensely during the pandemic relative to people of color and, um, you know, just how we deal with that as a country. 
he brought back the Bobby Kennedy exhibit. He made a very powerful speech in South Africa called The Ripple of Hope, and he was very instrumental. He was actually very pivotal during the 1960s in the civil rights movement in this country. And he is, um, you know, it's well-documented, and it's a, it's a fascinating exhibit. It does start with him as a young, a young man, and he was sworn into the Navy. He served in the military. He, um, you know, of course, ran for president. And there's some really compelling video in that room. And, and uh, people have been really touched. You know, they, they come out of their room, room in tears in that exhibit hall. So we'll probably keep that around next summer as well. It's pretty, pretty intense, but, but seems to resonate. And what part of that exhibit do you like the most? I didn't hear your question. Oh, sorry. Have to what, what part of that exhibit did you like the most? You know, there's a video in there of Ted Kennedy delivering the eulogy at his brother Bobby's funeral. And he it's beautifully delivered, but his voice starts quavering in the end. And he talks about his brother simply was a man who tried to who, who found a wrong and tried to right it, you know, found people that needed help and wanted to help them. And just a very simple sentiment, but very strong and positive and just, it, it just tugs at your heart strength. It just makes you realize, you know, we really lost something special when, when Bobby Kennedy was, was murdered. Um, so, yeah. And, and you, you think about what it takes to be in public service and that, commitment that drive and and how you really put yourself in the center of something which most of the Kennedys who ran for public office they did they were right in the thick of it and um, you know it was a pretty emotional time then and I think it's still emotional for people who remember that time of course is there anything else you want to tell us about the museum and what's happening well, you know, we've got a, a small but mighty team here. We're really happy to have been open this summer, and we're really looking forward to next year. Our board is going to do a strategic framework meeting later on this fall and talk about some of the possibilities and some of the new ideas. And I feel like we've had a, a nice big reset, and the, and the slate is a little bit blank now, and we can start to imagine new things in, in new ways. And that's very exciting. So we hope to stay in touch with our members and, and with our donors and with our guests from around the world. And we do hope our international guests can start to come back soon. Hopefully in November, when the, the borders reopen, U.S. borders reopen for, for parts of the world, that will, that will start to benefit us. But we've been really, really grateful at the tremendous reception that we've had from visitors from our own country you know it's been really we've had people from Washington uh, state of Washington to Vermont to California Texas Florida you name it we've had probably every state in the union been to visit in the last 12 months we're pretty happy about that it's been very busy here on the Cape this summer which has been fun I think I think it's been one of the busiest, mm -hmm. yeah. And I have to say, us museum people, we like it when it rains, and we've had enough rain that drives in business because it's a rainy day, and it's like, that's okay. That's good, too. Exactly. All right, well, I think that's it. Um, and, it and you're open until mid-December. We are. 
And so open until mid-December, and then we'll our gift shop will be open. We have um, you know staff will be around all year, and we'll be working on some programs. So check our website frequently. We try to make frequent updates to that. So you can find out what's going on, or you can email us, and we'll put you on our newsletter um, email list. Great. And you're open Monday to Fridays right now? Right now, Monday to Friday, 10 to 4. Okay, great. And then people can look online and buy tickets ahead of time or come to the door, and if you have space, you'll let them in. They can do either. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no capacity restrictions any longer. Okay. But we have been asking people to wear a mask to be safe because it is, it's, it's not a huge museum, and you're in the museum for at least 45 minutes to an hour or so. Um, we've asked people to mask up. They've been fine about that. And we've had a, a nice steady flow of people that we've been able to manage and make people feel comfortable all, all summer. So, yeah, we'll keep people safe. Great. Thank you so much, Wendy. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate Bye. the opportunity. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you, Wendy, for the conversation today about the museum. To learn more about the museum and how you can support it, you can find it on the internet at jfkhyannismuseum.org.